Welcome to Great Minds, the wine-centric podcast that looks beyond the glass to the much more interesting world of the people, history, and culture that make it happen. I'm Julie Glenn. And I'm Gina Birch. It's Merlot Month! Woo! So I know we have a Merlot day as well, but the fact that the Merlot movement has an entire month named after it is pretty cool, and I would say it's pretty well-deserving as well, you know. Um, Merlot has been maligned over the years for many reasons, which I don't think we really need to rehash. Uh, We're here mostly to celebrate what is called one of the noble grapes. And before we get going, uh, let's do a little cheers here, Julie, if you will. Cha-ching! In our glasses, we've got a lovely 2008 Trefethen from Napa. Um, 2018. Did I say 2008? Yeah. That would be be nice to try, too. So the folks on Trefethen, yeah. Do you have that in your library? We, <laughs> we would like do. to buy some, please. Um, so this one is a 92 point Merlot. It's uh, 90% Merlot. It's 10% Cab in there. It's um, about a 45 dollar bottle. So uh, that's what we're starting off our oh, so nice. our podcast with. I think that's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? I have goosebumps. Mm. It's kind of like almost meaty. Mm. You know, a meaty it? Merlot. It's kind of meaty as it just gets to your lips. Get you in the back. Yeah. It's got some nice acid in there. It has definitely got some acid. It's good. Woo. Man, that is what Merlot's all about. That's the whole thing, right? Merlot's, when we had talked about how it's maligned as being, for for many things, a lot of people thought it was weak and too juicy, but you get a well-made Merlot. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, man, it's a great food wine, and it's just something that... You know I, how, I just can't wait to he- see how this opens in the glass a little more, too. You know how American fashion is? You know, like, this is so cool that mm-hmm. everybody loves Merlot because after we all read the French paradox and about how French women are skinny because they drink wine, so then <laughs> all these Americans are like, I've got to drink red wine because it's better mm-hmm. for me, and I will be thin like a French person. That <laughs> From did drinking not come wine. to pass. <laughs> no, it didn't come to pass for me, especially over COVID. Well, so <laughs> then everybody uh, wanted Merlot, you know? Right. So then they started planting Merlot Everybody, everywhere in the world. We said we wouldn't go into it, but it was kind of like the first basic wine, mm-hmm. you know, like the uh, pumpkin spice latte of wine. Like the first <laughs> time that it was like, it was the, one of the first wines anyway in, in my memory, which stretches all the way back to the 70s. <laughs> oh, you can remember back to the 70s. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, I wasn't drinking wine that early, no. but okay. um, anyway, so it, it just ended up becoming everybody doesn't like Nap, uh, Merlot anymore. So everybody's like, eh, especially after that movie Sideways, got the masses all jazzed about Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. So poor little Merlot, she was so popular, and then they planted her everywhere, and then they were mad when it didn't turn out that good when they planted it where it shouldn't be growing. Right. Because that's that's a part of the big puzzle with wine. I mean, your, your grapes have to be happy if you're if they're I'm the vines. If they're not happy, then the wine's not happy, and Mama ain't happy neither. And ain't nobody <laughs> happy. And then the poor whole grape got maligned by the world. Mm-hmm. Maligned Merlot. You know, I love it when people say I don't do Merlot, and then they gush over Bordeaux, which especially a right bank Bordeaux. So let's do a quick and dirty breakdown on Bordeaux for those who get a little bit confused when it comes to French wines in general, because uh, there is a lot to be confused about. I do. I get confused. (laughs) The rules and everything. Almost all the time. So Bordeaux is a region in the southwestern part of France, and it's known for its big red wines. Uh, Now, the French do have a lot of rules, as we said, in the Bordeaux varietals. There's only a 
everyone says five, but there are really six. And I'll tell you why there's six, because the six one's not used very much, or if at all. Uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. And those are the ones that we typically think of in a Bordeaux blend. But you can legally put Carmenere in there, although modern day most people don't. It is allowed to be grown and mixed. Uh, they can com- be combined in any amounts, but these are the only grapes that can be used when you say it's a Bordeaux blend. Um so the region is divided by the Garonne River, and as a general rule of thumb, more Merlot-based blends are found on the right bank. An easy way to remember that, Merlot has an R in it. Merlot, right bank, I kind of oh, go right. Because cool. I can never, I, I know, right? have to look it up every single I time. I had to think of a way to do it. And then on the left bank, uh, typically Cabernet Sauvignon is their foundation. So there's a... Uh, an easy little tip if uh, if you look for those kind of word cues to mm-hmm. remember things. That does help. Of course, mm-hmm. the most famous one being Chateau Petrus, and that one is a big boy, but it's a very different kind of big. Yes. And, you know, Merlot, it's more about texture, I think, when you talk about big than, than flavor. And it's sometimes Merlot's referred to as Cabernet without the pain <laughs> because it has less tannins that kind of kick you in the backside. Uh, although a good Cabernet, a nice balanced Cabernet is typically not going to be painful or kick you in the backside either. Yeah. Cabernet can sometimes have the tannins that just haven't quite integrated yet or those kind of short tannins that right. are just a little bit more like a little Bronco. Like a, like a little Bronco. Like bucking around back there on the back <laughs> of your palate, and you're just like, ooh, mm. slow your horses down. But um, sometimes it can be that Slow way. your roll. Slow your roll, little Bronco horse kicking me in the throat. Um, but anyway, so we don't really ever get that kind of an experience with Merlot because it's more of a juicy, fleshy kind of a guy, um, and the skins are not where all the flavor comes from it's used a lot in blending to round round things out it makes really great friends when when it's with cabernet and i think that's one of the things that make bordeaux so so beautiful those two grapes just go well together what do you think of this trefethen i think it's lovely and the more it sits in the glass obviously to me it's obvious that you know it opens up and gets even better Mm. to me it's obvious i have a big mouthful of it Mm. that i'm savoring Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh man that is so good Mm. Wow. You know, it's just, it, it's getting, I'm getting more spice on it now mm-hmm. that it's been open. Um, definitely get that nice fruit, but it's, yeah. it even has a little bit of a rustic sense to it, to me. Yeah. Where's it, where's it from again? I'm sorry. Uh, this one is, Trefethen is from Napa. Is it the oak? Yes. This one is the, is it the oak knoll? Let me just do a quick check here. Uh, yes, it is from the Oak Knoll ABA hmm. in Napa. Okay, that could be the dustiness or anything. Yeah, and it again has ten percent cab in there. Um, it's all estate grown. It's been eighteen months in oak, thirty-seven percent new oak, and uh, it's got a little bit of alcohol. It's fourteen point one, which is probably really fifteen point one. Exactly. Yeah. We're not going to be mad at that either. So why don't we take a little Merlot trip? So we started in Bordeaux. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. We've got Trefethen in our glass from California, which we will be going back to. But Washington State is kick-ass when it comes to Merlot. It is kind of like the epicenter of Merlot in the United States. I mean, you know, it's good in California, too. But um, Washington really, really does well with Merlot. That Columbia Valley, Mm -hmm. little inland there, does really nicely. I was reading um, that it is Merlot is the second most planted black grape in Washington. So Mm -hmm. they plant a lot of Merlot. So they obviously... Or should know what they're doing they when know it what's comes up. to it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we've got North Star in our glass. You know, I don't recall trying this one before. Have you? Do you recall having I don't North think I, Star? I feel like I've tried it, but I don't remember it. Right. It's not as acidic as the Trefethen. That is faux show. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So North Star is, as she said, from the Columbia Valley. Uh, let's see. This has 24% cab blended into this one. Yeah, so it's as much cab as you can add into right. a Merlot and still call it a Merlot. Because mm-hmm. the law says that you have to have 75% of whatever you're calling it. The law. The man. You don't want to mess up <laughs> with what the man says. You don't want the popo coming into your North Star winery mm-hmm. going, hey, you got more than 25% cab in there. This is fresher to me. It's fresher, but it's not as acidic. No. It's not fruitier either. I expected it to be a little bit more fruity. They get a different kind of spice in this. Mm-hmm. More herbal. It's a little more herbal and not mm-hmm. green, but I, I guess I'm just picturing, you know, the lush green uh, Washington countryside. And I was reading about its provenance uh, before we came in, and one of its parents is Cab Franc. Ah, so just to uh, go a little bit more into the uh, incestuousness of <laughs> Bordeaux varieties, um, Cab Franc is the father of Cab Sauve, and apparently the father of Merlot. But so, so that that guy got around a little bit. Did. Is what you're saying? And in this one, he got around to a that naughty grape. <laughs> yeah, well, he found a chick from uh, somewhere in Western France that mm-hmm. um, a chick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, the mom is a grape that was only recently named. I forgot the name, but it's very obscure. Yeah. Yeah, you you forgot the name. That's it's that obscure. It's so obscure that I don't remember the name, and the name was only given to it in the last few years. Okay, I got to go look it up now. All right, and then we'll put it on uh, our social media somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, we're having fun. I'm enjoying this Merlot. It's really it is. Um, it, it's I you know I don't know. I didn't have high expectations, and I don't know why I didn't. But I'm really enjoying this one. I really like Washington wines. I do too, and I think we're going to be seeing more and more flooding the market with with the climate change and 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 the amount of fires going on in California right now. Yeah, definitely. So, so moving on to uh, Merlot and its international status, uh, one of the regions that I really don't think of very often that doesn't come to mind is Italy. Mm-hmm. So I know it's grown everywhere, pretty much everywhere in the world, but you are you have a lot of knowledge on Italian yeah, viticulture and stuff. So tell me about The first that. time I tried a Merlot from Italy uh, was a long, long time ago, but I was sh- I was kind of like, why are they growing Merlot in Italy? <laughs> Come on. And I tried it. I was like, that's really good. good stuff. But I didn't want to say it too loud because I still wasn't <laughs> sure of myself. <laughs> but um, they grow uh, Merlot- all over Italy, mm. all over that boot, but it mainly does better up further north where it's a little bit less hot. Um, and they do the best with it in Friuli. Um, they do some in Trentino Alto Adige, but if I was there, I would totally get a Tirol de Gonstead. Um But anyway, so they uh, they do Merlot in all of the northern areas, and in fact, there's a Strada del Merlot near Friuli. That sounds like a dessert. Yeah, Strada del Merlot. <laughs> I'll have two, please. Yeah. <laughs> two, please. I would like two streets of Merlot. Thank you. Um, but the, it's kind of for tourists to be mm-hmm. able to easily find and access wineries that are doing Merlot, which makes sense. I mean, and they're doing that in Prosecco, too. Right. Um, where they're kind of making things a little bit more user-friendly. I think somebody from Italian wine trade might have taken a trip up 29 in Napa ah, Valley and mm-hmm. been like, you know, this is really easy. Yeah. <laughs> they got a good thing going on here. Yeah, maybe we should kind of try to get some tasting rooms up next to one generalized street. It does make it easier when you've traveled so far and you want to experience as much as you can before you go back to wherever you came from. As many as you can. But then sometimes, though, it gets to feel a little bit canned. 
Like it's mm-hmm. too much marketing, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so speaking of streets, let's go a little further south in our glass. You want to go down to Paso yeah. Robles? You know, I I love wines from Paso. It's just uh, I've been there a few times, and every time I go, I find something new about that area I like. Uh, and it's a good spot in California to grow Merlot. You've got the Templeton Gap. You've got you know got some coolness coming in. It, it's uh, there's just all these different subtleties in, in Paso when it comes to. Um, the climate and microclimates, and mm-hmm. Jay Lore has been, gosh, they're like a, uh, I don't want to say an anchor, but kind of like the anchor store in a mall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've been there for a long time. They are and, the Macy's. And if you've been to Paso, they have a sprawling, they have a really big operation. They're so nice. And when I think of value wines, you know, when I see this on a buy-the-glass list or if I see it in a grocery store and I'm thinking I'm at a loss, I don't know what to get, uh, this one always is one that's in one of my top as like, okay, I know I'm going to be safe. I know it's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, it's not very expensive. And we were were talking about it earlier. It's like, this is one that for a mass producer that makes huge quantities, it's really usually pretty good and pretty consistently good. So the one that we have um, in our glass, what year? Do you have the bottle over there? Is it a a 17 or 18? It's the new vintage, I know. 18. 18. And it's got great fruit in there. It does not have the complexity of the other ones that we've tried. I, don't I haven't think, tried it yet. I have expectations, though. But I tell you, I could, um, I can, I'm, I'm thinking of all kinds of different uh, things I would have this with. Uh, it smells lighter. Mm-hmm. It smells perfumey. It does a little bit. But I would probably. It prob- smells a little bit like Love's Baby Soft. <laughs> I'm getting a little Love's Baby Soft. <laughs> Love's thing. Baby Soft. Remember that? <laughs> Yeah, seventh I do. Grade? Come on. I don't know if it was seventh grade. I can't remember it that far back. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see what other. Oh, this has a little bit of Malbec in it. So mm-hmm. that might be. I was thinking I wanted some meats with this, and that makes sense. It's only like 16% Malbec, but um, it definitely makes a difference. It does okay. make you feel carnivorous. Oh, and 1% cap. Just got a little splashy Just cap. Gauche. Mm-hmm. Just gauche. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good, though. Mm-hmm. I like to see. I could drink that all day. And that's, I'm not going to get mad about it if the guy across the table pours a glass too full. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, go ahead. It's really, but it Mm. is very much emblematic of Merlot. It's easy like Sunday morning, no arms and legs sticking out, no heavy duty acidity. Like the Trefethen I loved, but Mm -hmm. that acidity is going to make that a little bit more age worthy, I think. Age worthy and food. You want food. This one I could actually just sip. Yeah, this one goes with I, I would love to have food with it because um, I'm hungry right now. But um, <laughs> I want some Havarti. <laughs> but I could sip this all day, put a little, just a little bit more chill on it. But the fruits mm-hmm. are good and ripe, and and you get the red fruit, the dark fruit. The mm, I like it. It is, it is, it is really good. And I think you know if, especially for budget, and also if you're sitting at a restaurant and. You're the only person having steak, and everybody else is uh, sharing a bottle of white, and you need a red to go with your steak. This would be a nice one. It's um, be extra good with a fillet. Yeah, without a whole lot of fat. You yeah, know? I could see that. I could totally see that with just a basic salt and pepper, not a whole bunch of crazy mm-hmm. stuff on it. Uh, I always love finding good value. You know, we have a lot of high end wines on our show a lot of times, and this is uh, this is value wine all day. I'll drink it all day. I like it. Yep, I thumbs agree. up. Thumbs up from Gina and Julie. We are both going to suggest that, especially the day before payday. (laughs) (laughs) Two days before when you're really broke. The day after Uh payday, go for the trip. 
So when I think of Merlot, you know, there are a couple of, there's always some iconic wineries that come to mind. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the two that I always, I think of a lot are Duckhorn and Decoy. Yeah. I mean, there are other ones, but these two, um, I, I just think, and, and they're so different. One's on, again, on the, on the more affordable and the yeah. everyday, and one's a little more of the specialty wines. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's do that. Let's do some, so let's do some. Um, I will say when I think color? about, um, when I think about uh, Merlot and the one that got me back on the bandwagon, mm-hmm. it was Meeker. Ah. You know? We we have to give a shout out to Meeker Handprint. Yeah, uh, that Handprint Merlot is a big boy Merlot too. Um, it's uh, somebody said it's like the Cab Lovers Merlot, and I was like, well, yeah, but it's also Merlot lo- Lovers Merlot because mm-hmm. it's like the highest, like a really big expression of it. So that's my uh, standout. And then of course Duckhorn and Decoy. I love Markham. I think uh, some people because of the. The reputation of Merlot. The, how, I don't like Merlot. Yeah, that like, oh, I don't want to go spring $60 on that, but it's, yeah, it's worth it when you find one. Like yeah, that. when you find one that's good, yeah. I think you get what you pay for in the bigger priced Merlots, generally speaking. Yeah, you do. I mean, there there is a bang for the buck when you when you go up a few notches as far as what it costs. Yeah. So there we go. Decoy, I haven't had decoy for a while. See, this is the one. Is this from Sonoma? Yeah, this is Sonoma Fruit. Sonoma County. And the 2018. Duckhorn is Napa. Mm-hmm. So in the decoy, this is kind of interesting. You know, we're talking about the different grapes that are blended with Merlot. This has just a little bit of cab and a little bit of petite Verdot. Um, it's 98% Merlot. So they just added a little splash of those two to kind of give it a little rounder. It's like why? Feminine. I mean, does it really make that much of a difference? How much uh, was it? $25. No, the percentage mm. of the mm. other guys. One, um, 1% of each. <laughs> what how much impact that actually has? <laughs> well, when you talk to winemakers, I was just uh, talking to somebody who was in town the other day, and and um, he said, you know, I've sat there with the big boys, of the the ones in Napa who are blending two hundred dollar bottles of of Cab, and it's just you. Sometimes you just their palates are so tuned that you just add a tiny splash of something, and it takes out what they can taste, maybe a little high acid or a little. Something green where, pepper, or something. right? Yeah, and it just smooths it out. It's kind of like when you're blending your blush. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like oh, I could this the the top part stands out a little. Let me just blend it in a little bit more. See, and now like, you're speaking my language. I right. can blend uh, some mm-hmm. contouring. I know, I know you're uh-huh. good at contouring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have cheekbones. <laughs> I just pretend that I do. <laughs> I play a cheekbone on TV. I play a cheekbone <laughs> on TV. So okay, the decoy's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I should get this again. I kind mm-hmm. of feel bad forgetting about it. Branding-wise, I think it's kind of funny, though. Decoy. I mean, like, you're getting decoy Merlot. Is it pretending to be Merlot? Is it really oh. something else? You know what I get in this one? Some blue fruit. Yeah. Which I didn't get as mm-hmm. much in the others. Mm-hmm. And a more clovey spice than Yeah, the I was going to say baking spice. You took the words right out of my mouth. Sorry. That's okay. I'm a Just thief. don't take the wine out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? No, that, that's gross because that's then we're disgusting. violating COVID laws. <laughs> we're getting way too close. You just spit it over the board. I'm sure the engineers will love that. <laughs> oh, there was a Saturday Night Live sketch where they were doing that. It's the classic uh, Thanksgiving one where they chew and they spit all the food in each other's mouths. Mm. Do you remember that? That's gross. Like too. being Sorry. baby birds? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move I on to the big boy. and went away. Yeah. Okay, big boy. Big boy time. Here we Duck go. Duckhorn. And um, we didn't want to open every single one of these bottles because we do like wine, but we also 
don't want to uh, have a problem with our liver. So um, you took this big boy and used the Coravin. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you, and we'll show you on social media what this dude looks like. Right. Um, this is something that people in the wine industry know quite well, because if you have a high-end bottle and you only have a few people to taste it on, you don't want to take the cork out because it's not going to be good for more than you know, like a day or two. Um, even two days later, it's not that great. Always depends on the wine and storage and all that. Yeah, stuff. I mean, I've had some big ass um, blends that the next day are better. But you know, did- shockingly, I've had Riojas that lasted three wow. days. Yeah, that's cray cray. Yeah. So but tell me about this Corvin. Okay, what is so this the thing? Corvin has um, it's like a needle. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting the history behind it, and I might get some of it wrong, but um, it was invented by a surgeon who's. This is the what I heard whose wife was pregnant and he wanted to drink some of his big Bordeaux and big wines and said there's got to be a way for me to enjoy just a glass and not have to open the whole bottle or waste it like you were saying. So he invented this and it's argon gas that goes into it it pumps it in one side of the needle and the wine comes out the other side. So the argon gas in there is uh, it's neutral. It, it, it please don't email me if you're a scientist and say it's not neutral. It's this or that. But I know I'm like argon. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. But well, like... what it does is it doesn't uh, cause like oxygen. Doesn't oxidate. It. I think it's heavy, so it falls and lands on top of the one and creates some sort of a seal. Now maybe. I will say that I've had that. that oh, it does only last for so long. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do this for six months. I've tried bottles after three months and they've been fine. But that also depends in my experience, because I use this a lot on how low you go with that bottle. You lay it on its side, it's still going to be exposed. You still disrupt, you know, that nice little layer of air. Yeah. So if it gets down for me about three, about uh, a quarter down, if mm-hmm. I've had like two glasses, then I'm going to pop the cork next time. Yeah. That's just my experience. Sometimes it's some of the Italian wines, I don't feel like it does well. No, there's yeah. something in there that um, I can taste. I can taste a difference. It's not as fresh, hmm. but generally speaking, it's a good gadget, and it's great if you're trying to figure out which Merlot or which wine to open with your steak that night, and you have three of them lined up. Let's do a little taste of all three. This one tastes better. Let's save the other ones for later in the weekend, or for people that I don't really like that much. Exactly. Come over. So we are on to that. Being said, those quantity friends, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, not the quality, but the quantity. We're on to the duck horn that is has been corvined. This is, and we're, we'll put a little video on our social media right. about the corvin, so you can kind of see how that works. It's not a cheap uh, thing to no, have. No, it's about three hundred bucks, and the cartridges to replace are about nineteen dollars. And it just depends on how heavy-handed you are in using it, mm-hmm. uh, how often t- you replace it. Doesn't it come out like measured by like an ounce at a time? Per like little pushy of the button depends on how on how uh, long you hold it when you push it. Oh, oh, okay. So it'll just keep going as long as you hold down the button, right? Uh, okay. It's easy to blow through them fast. So I start if you see the video, I do little quick hits, quick hits, because I'd rather do that and and preserve the the gas and not mm-hmm. like. I see you. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. What do you think of this one? So mm. duckhorn is kind of like. The daddy of decoy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like the big dog of the portfolio. And this one's from Napa, mm. which well, is amazing anybody grows Merlot and Napa does because it's so cab-centric. But you got to because you got to, you know, You have the specs that. on that. I think it's got a bunch of in, uh, this. I think it's got Petite Verdot in there and like two, two, other, mm-hmm. two other things in this one. Hold, please. Mm-hmm. We have um, 80% Merlot, 16% cab. 
2.5% Cab Franc, 1% Petit Verdot, and 0.5% Malbec. 0.5, don't forget about that. I will say, though, that I did hear from one person that was blending that Malbec is a powerful addition to any wine. And I think it would be pretty powerful to somebody like Merlot, which is fairly delicate. I mean, it's no Pinot Noir. But. Right. Also add some color. What What was this, like 65 50 bucks, somewhere in that range? Uh, At the top. 56. 56. 90 pointer. We got two 90 pointers mm. today. Mm. This is great. This 2017. Is really nicely balanced. I think it is. It's really balanced, but I it's kind of, it's wildflowery, kind of like a little bit of a. Wild berry, too. Yeah, like wild, I'm out wild. in the fields in Napa smelling the wildflowers. Mm. Like the wild mustard, you know, but it's all yellow and stuff in the spring. Gosh, what would I want? I want some, like, some, I don't know, blueberry, cherry, gastric on something, like lamb or a pork or. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I'm just in a cheese mood, though. Mm. And normally I'm not really a big cheesy person for wine. And so we go hard, salty cheese and and mm-hmm. some of that, that bear, like a compote or something. Yeah, that would be great. So, yeah, good. Oh. These are some really good examples of Merlot. Oh, um, we didn't talk about South America at all. We didn't talk about Chile, where mm-hmm. they took Merlot over, thinking it was Merlot, but it turned out to be Carmenere, <laughs> one of its, like, neighbors in Bordeaux. Right. Uh, so... That was that was always a, a fun anecdote. Well, you know, it turned out fortuitous for them, right? Because Carmenere do, does well there. It does really well. It does, I think, it does better there than it does in Bordeaux. Yeah, because it can be its own little varietal there with a little bit of white pepper. It's great for stuff on the grill. I'm so glad we did this and tried these Merlots from all over and all different price ranges. And you know, one of the things that we like to do on the show is is inspire you to uh, go out and try new things and mm-hmm. and and. Don't forget about Merlot, and October is Merlot month, and they have this whole movement, and you just do a hashtag Merlot Me, and they've got a whole website of Merlot Me, and it gives you um, a lot of great information and insight. So if you uh, buy a bottle this week or this weekend, take a picture and hashtag it Merlot Me and join our merry band of wine drinking. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to encourage people, though, if you are sitting there at a happy hour or something like that, and they have, like, Cab Merlot and Chardonnay or whatever, Merlot is probably your safest bet when you're in that, you know, happy hour. Price range. Price range. Merlot is usually going to be the one that's the least offensive, I think. Of of the cheaper. Yeah. Of the cheap tier. So Just get a little taste and try it and see. Yeah, they'll usually give you a taste to try because they're probably trying to burn through something if they're putting it on special. <laughs> anyway, Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media are Tara Calligan and Anna Bejarano. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. And wouldn't a nice Merlot be good to come home to as well? So to get in touch, check us out at greatminds.org. You can also call the Grapeline and ask us a wine question. We'll address it on a future show. That number is 707 300 3632 Thanks for listening.